0: It's time to put principles ahead of politics. This is Sages of the Sun, brought to you by the New York Sun.
1: Good afternoon. Welcome to Sages of the Sun, the weekly podcast produced by the New York Sun, a newspaper committed to upholding the finest journalistic traditions and remaining true to the motto, it shines for all. My name is Caroline Beek, and I'm joined here by our editor-in-chief, Seth Lipsky, as well as... Uh, the brilliant AR R. Hoffman, a uh, core member of our team and a graduate of uh, of Yale Law, uh, sorry, not Yale Law School, of Stanford of Law School, <laughs> in addition to uh, getting two degrees at Harvard, undergraduate and PhD. So um, I can assure you that he is just the person to be speaking to this week, and we're going to be discussing the Supreme Court, the confirmation hearings that have been ongoing this week that he's been watching very closely, as well as what we can expect from Judge Jackson, should be, she become a Supreme Court justice. Yeah. So, Ari, over to you. What have you been? I know you've been watching closely this week. What have you been surprised by? What are you seeing?
0: Great. Well, first of all, thank you so much, Caroline and Seth, and and most of all to um, to everyone who's here. Um, it's it's sort of wonderful to see the the names uh, behind the readers. And thank you, obviously, for for all of your support thus far. And um, from from my end, and from our end, it's been a great great fun and a great uh, adventure. And uh, we hope it we we know and hope it'll continue. So thank you, thank you for being such a such a big part of it. And I get we I hope that we get to um, do this in person soon as well. And that I'll see as many of you as as possible uh, in the coming weeks. Well, you know. Supreme Court confirmation hearings are always, are, always, um, are always political theater, but like a good show, even if you know the outcome uh, or you know how the, how the play ends, um, there's still a lot to learn, uh, learn along the way. The first thing um, to note is that chances are high um, to, to, to nearly certain that Judge Jackson uh, will be confirmed um, and will uh, soon, probably first week in April, Um, a, a seat to the Supreme Court as justice Uh, as Justice Jackson. The reason for that is because, um, including Vice President uh, Kamala Harris, the Democrats have 50 uh, 50 votes um, needed to to confirm her. There was, you know, some, if you're looking well, you know, are the Democrats going to lose any votes along the way? Um, Those of you who have been following politics over the past year or so know that uh, Senator Manchin and Sinema are the two sort of thorns in um, President Biden's have been the two thorns in President Biden's side, although thus far there's been no indication um, that they intend to sort of defect um, relating to Judge Jackson. Um, although um, we have seen Joe Manchin most recently uh, in a Fed nomination sort of um, scuttle scuttle a nomination, it doesn't look like that will happen here. The next question is, well, okay, well, what about can, you know, President Biden expect any Republicans to support um, Judge Jackson? Um, there, it's not looking very likely. Um, Judge Jackson was recently, very recently, um, confirmed to the, the Court of Appeals. And when she when she was, she received three Republican votes um, from Senators Colin, Murkowski, um, and Graham, Sanders Collins and Murkowski have not yet indicated whether they will support her again. Um, The action has really been around Lindsey Graham. Graham seems set to oppose her. Um, Remember, he supported another candidate um, for the seat, and that was Judge Michelle Childs from his home state of South Carolina. Biden ultimately decided not to go with Childs and to nominate um, Judge Brown. Um, Lindsey Graham was very critical of that choice at the outset. um, And um, yesterday in the confirmation hearing, engaged in um, a pretty heated exchange, uh, both with Judge Jackson and with um, his fellow Senator uh, Dick Durbin, so you know that that feels that ship has sailed. I think in terms of Senator Graham supporting her.
1: So you think that's just because he's upset by the pick, vice? You know, why would he support her at a lower level and and oppose her now?
0: Right. Well, a lot of Judge, uh, a lot of Senator Graham's criticism of her seems less about her than kind of relitigating past current confirmation fights. For example, he's challenged her in ways that indicate that he is actually thinking about the heated confirmation battles of Justice uh, Coney Barrett and and Kavanaugh. So it seems that as if he's sort of my read of it is he's using this platform to sort of make a point about previous uh, confirmation battles. Um, A piece that um, I'm working on today is that, you know, this confirmation battle, where, of course, Judge Judge um, Jackson will be replacing her old boss, Justice Breyer, will not change the ideological composition of the court. But the next one very well might. And with Justice Thomas um, still in the hospital, you know, um with very little information about his, the current state of his health, perhaps some of the kind of hard edge of the questioning the last day or so might be sort of preparation for for that next battle.
1: And is it your sense that, well, it seems like this has been less of a contentious battle. Do you think mm-hmm. that's because it's not going to change the dynamics of the court, or because she's just a better candidate and there's less to attack her on? Yeah, I mean, I think
0: the 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 reality is that a pick that won't change the composition of the court will be far less significant than one the one that will. And the truth is, the last two confirmation battles both you know, had the potential to change the court and very well might, we're still seeing that kind of play out in real time, but, you know, the replacement of justice Ginsburg when justice Coney Barrett is an ideological shift. And of course the retirement of justice Kennedy as a swing voter on the, um, the, the sort of sequence of confirmations of Gorsuch Kavanaugh and, um, Coney Barrett, um, have sort of re, uh, reinforced the court's kind of conservative, uh, conservative, um, lean. You know, I also think there's, um, President Biden's campaign promise to sort of appoint a black woman to the court added a, a certain sort of di- racial dynamic um, to things. Again, interesting again to think of, of Justice Thomas, right? Uh, currently the only African American, the only black member of the court, um, and um and his his health. We'll have to see track that in the in the weeks ahead just um just to fill people in a little bit on the substantive matters in addition to the kind of the politics what what has sort of emerged here i think um one is um justice jackson's promise to recuse herself meaning not to not to sit in hearing the upcoming affirmative action case against Harvard this coming fall. This is a story we're tracking very closely and I've reported on. Justice Jackson is currently on the board of overseers at Harvard, the highest um, sort of governing body at Harvard. Um, and so that takes one kind of vote out. Obviously affirmative action is something Justice Thomas has long been a great opponent of. So that dynamic bears bears watching in in, in in the months to come. Um, The other is, I think, the real rise of culture issues in this nomination. By that, I mean a focus on um, things like critical race theory. Um, There was sort of a remarkable moment where um, Judge Jackson was asked if she could define what a woman was, um, and she hesitated to do so, saying that she wasn't a biologist. Um, so my sense is this might be previewing actually not the next confirmation battle, but the 2022 and ultimately 2024 election cycle, um, and that Senate Republicans are are, are, test, are road testing um, um, what they think are winning uh, cultural uh, arguments.
1: So yeah, diving a little deeper into the substance, like what has emerged about her, her worldview, her judicial philosophy. What have we learned about? about her and her her approach and what can we expect from her should she end up on the court as it appears she will
0: right um I would say a, a couple of things the first is um, and this is something um, i've I've covered is you know she's the first she would be the first justice to have served as a public. Public defender, um, and evidence shows that public defender judges who have served as public defenders—there aren't very many of them, um, just around eight percent of federal judges—are um, more lenient um, on um, criminal um, justice issues like sentencing, um, incarceration. Of course, the caveat there is that much of criminal law in America is a state state issue, and so it's a- unlikely that she be ruling on a, a, a large number of sort of criminal uh, criminal cases um, where that would come up. That has been an issue in the confirmation hearing because she represented um, a detainee at Guantanamo Bay. Um, and so sort of, and this is Senator Graham, who's especially interested in foreign policy, sort of highlighted that. Of course, federal defenders don't don't pick who they represent generally, they're assigned to that. Another interesting moment has been um, a little bit of a back and forth on her judicial philosophy, right? This is something that often comes up in these confirmation hearings. Um, now Chief Justice Roberts famously used the metaphor of an umpire, right? A justice is meant to call balls and strikes, not to take sides. Interestingly, uh, Judge Jackson mentioned she does, that she doesn't have a philosophy, she has a methodology. Um, so you know her approach to it is to sort of begin with a neutral stance and then sort of hear both both sides and, and arrive at a, a arrive at a decision. Of course, that's not groundbreaking, but her hesitance to sort of hesitation to articulate a judicial philosophy um, might be you know worth remembering and, and perhaps is meant to. Give her the widest possible berth um, for when for when she ascends ascends to the Supreme Court. The other big issue that has come Can up around is so, that
1: a is that a unique thing to sort of say I don't have a philosophy I have a methodology or is that how common is that kind of take?
0: Yeah, I mean it's sort of a little unusual in the sense that um, you know no no just judge before the in the confirmation hearings is going to sort of. Um, you know, kind of show their cards that way. But um, her hesitation to even articulate sort of any sort of guiding principles, I, I think, is sort of unique um, and tracks a little bit with sort of the thinness of her judicial history. I mean, I think the the difference would be that if you had someone with a thick stack of judicial opinions, you know, their, their philosophy might sort of be um, you know, um, legible, even if they didn't articulate it publicly. With her, we have this interesting combination where she served as a district court for a while, but generally district court judges aren't involved in quite the same sort of conceptual thinking about the law as appellate judges. And she was only an appellate judge for eight months. So there is a little bit of a sort of blank slate element here. One part of her past that has come up um, has been her role as part of the sentencing commission and um, a line of attack sort of spearheaded by Senator Josh Hawley and others that she displayed leniency um, in her sentencing over over time and over the years. Um, There's been some dispute about that. Sentencing and sentencing guidelines is a notoriously difficult um, sort of area of the law. Um, but, but, but I think the Senate has scored some rhetorical points um, showing that especially especially in cases regarding sex offenders, she is oftentimes sentenced um, less, uh, more leniently than the guidelines um, would indicate. So long story short, I think you, you um, all indications are that she would be a reliable vote on the left uh, in the court, if not necessarily one of its sort of intellectual um, leaders. Um, I think is fair to say. I think probably someone like judge sotomayor, Justice sotomayor is a is a fair comparison.
1: So one of the moments that I did see and and wanted to ask you about was she talked to, at some point about precedent and the importance of precedent and vertical precedent versus horizontal precedent. And mm-hmm. as someone without a legal background, i I was struck and want to know more. So, mm-hmm. you know, what can you tell us about her philosophy within with respect to precedent and how it might be? for the norm or, or, or different in some way.
0: Right. Well, you know, this always comes up in Supreme court hearings, their attitudes towards, towards precedent. But the reality is, I think that that, that question is, um, has less salience in, in Supreme Court thinking because of course the Supreme Court is not bound by precedent, right? It's and it's not bound by its own precedent. Um, of course it shows a predisposition to, it doesn't um, perhaps run to over overturn or overrule cases. But on the other hand, you know, there's, there's, it's free to act as it, as it will, you know, we're, we're, you know, just two examples of of cases coming up. I mean, one is the affirmative action case that I mentioned Mentioned that um, will be heard this fall. And there it's very much on the table that the Supreme Court will overturn its own precedent um, in the case Fisher versus University of Texas and others, allowing for race conscious admission to higher education. You know, another example is the is the increasing conversation that the court will explicitly overturn Roe v. Wade and, 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 of, and the federally um, the constitutionally guaranteed right to an abortion. And of course, you know, the court can do that, right? So the question of precedent. In the supreme court is you know is I, I think a strange one and a strange one to focus on but all indications are that you know she does seem to be espousing a kind of judicial modesty back to the methodological point um and the sort of lack of a of a larger uh of a larger philosophy but you know there are certainly are com- uh, cases in the pipeline that will ask that will will demand or, 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 or sort of invite the court to overturn its own precedent in, in very significant ways. Thank you for listening to this sample of Sages of the Sun. To listen to the whole episode and access our entire catalog, go to NewYorkSun.com. That's NYSun.com.